Class is in session. Your most unconventional class. She talks all things, all subjects. It's the interdisciplinary podcast, hosted by your favorite doctor. This is what's the say with Doctor Kim Ray. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Welcome to the show. I am your host, Dr. Kim Ray. You know, I want to shout out today my Chicago subscribers today. I'm always talking about Charlotte and Fort Lauderdale and Miami. But you know what? Today, I want to talk to my Chi-Town folk. What's up, Chi-Town? Where you at? Where you at? Hit me on the bottom in the comment. Let me know that you're here. But today, we have Chicago native. And yes, he does live in Charlotte now, but he's from Chi-Town. And he's not only a U.S. Army vet, right, but he's a vet in community engagement and upward mobility. Anyone know out there that uh, Bible verse in Genesis? Y'all don't want to get me quoting the Bible. Y'all just don't want to get me quoting the Bible. But I remember this verse, okay? It's in Genesis, and it's, am I my brother's keeper? Hmm. You know what I think about when I think about that verse? I think about, well, firstly, what is it, right? That's basically when other people outside of your family, you know, are in in a conversation and you're not concerned with them, right? Because they're not a part of your family, your world, your inner circle. So you're saying, am I my brother's keeper? Because they don't matter to you, right? So that's what that verse was all about. And it gets me to thinking about the current global society that we're living in. And when we talk about it from even a communities within this greater community, the granular side of it, right? It makes me think about this pandemic that we're in right now, COVID-19, and the debates over the mask, and the no mask and the social distancing. And I I read somewhere and I'll never forget it, this story, because it just, it just made me wonder, what are these parents thinking? Okay. They, there was a high school in Missouri that had a homecoming that was planned by a bunch of parents for their high schoolers at a steakhouse in Missouri. And none of them had on masks. And it's like, they now have impacted and infected so many people with COVID-19 and the parents are kind of like trying to hide the tracing and so forth. And it's like, where's accountability in this? What are you training and teaching your kids to do and how to live, you know? And so I don't know if we should wear a mask, but listen, Linda, Linda, listen, okay? If we don't know, then why won't we just do until we know? Okay, just to be, because if we don't know, isn't it always kind of safe to side with caution? I, I would just say that. But anyway, I digress. Well, I have definitely someone very impressive with us today. Okay, the ultimate brother's keeper. But first, if you like what we're doing, hit that subscribe button and click that notification bell for your weekly reminders. I also want to remind you that if you look down at the bottom now, I made it easy for you this week, okay? I put the logo right at the bottom right-hand corner for you to just hover over your mouse, right? And the subscribe button pops right up and then you hit that notification bell. It's that simple. But with us today, I have executive director for my brother's keeper, Charlotte Chapter, thought leader, public servant, transformation-oriented practitioner, Don Thomas. Welcome to the show. Peace and blessings, everybody. Uh, Doc, thank you so much for having me on the show. It is an absolute honor, man. Absolute yes. Honor. 
We are so thrilled to have you, my brother. We are so thrilled. So excited for what this conversation has entailed. But before we get into it, right, before we get into it and my listeners are, are waiting and ready, I want you to share with us a little bit about where did My Brother's Keeper, the organization, come from? Where was it birthed? How was it birthed? And what, is, what are some of the things that you're doing or have done or will be doing? Outstanding. So first and foremost, shout out to, uh, to Chicago. Uh, 39th and February stand up, man. Peace and blessings. Uh, but I will say this. So, so we are the official My Brother's Keeper chapter under the Obama Foundation. Uh, yep. Now, uh, when Obama was president, he initiated uh, this particular program or strategy that's laser focused on black and brown boys. There was kind of a relaunching of it underneath the foundation to where it's taking a more systems approach, a more collective impact approach uh, to the work as opposed to more programmatic strategies that have been okay. uh, implemented along the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so uh, and so now we're just kind of honored to 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 be a part of this alliance mm-hmm. uh, to represent Charlotte Mecklenburg uh, in, in this work uh, and, and to be a part of, uh, you know, even a, a regional strategy here uh, in the southeast, changing how we engage uh, and shifting systems uh, mm-hmm. to affirm the full humanity of our black and brown boards. Wow. Okay. Okay. Well, I guess that's why I wanted you on the show for this conversation today then. (laughs) So let's talk transformation. Okay. Now you're a transformation oriented practitioner. Okay. But so in layman's terms for me, I I find that to be very uh, similar to, and correct me if I'm wrong, please, to when I was getting my, my doctorate in leadership, right? I had to study all different types of theories and philosophies behind leadership and best practices and things. And I learned about a transformational leader. Okay. And it seems like it's very similar to that. Uh, Would you say, Don, that I am kind of on track when we're talking about a transformational leader? Definitely, uh, definitely on track. I think, I think the nuance here is kind of the impetus of being a transformation oriented practitioner is that we lean into conflict. Oh, okay. Uh, we understand conflict to be the engine for change. Okay. Uh, so as a transformation oriented practitioner, as we engage into social change strategies, mm-hmm. we, are, we are wrestling with mm-hmm. how to develop a strategy that not only addresses the immediate needs, okay. but how do we get at the heart of why that need even exists? Right. Mm -hmm. And so a transformation oriented practitioner is always situating their mind and their paradigm around how do we be short term responsive Mm -hmm. and long term strategic. Right. Oh, oh, okay. There's some there's an immediate need that we need to be uh, dealing with housing insecurity, food insecurity, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, over policing, uh, all these different immediate things and challenges that the community deals with that we have to have immediate strategies for. Okay. Simultaneously, we know that in order to sustain an institutionalized transformation, that we yes. have to ensure that there are policies, practices, and procedures that the very structure, the very environment mm-hmm. affirms mm-hmm. transformative mm-hmm. impact on the ground. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you're looking at the, the real root to the, the issues too, to, in order to think about it from a strategic standpoint, right? You have, to, you have to be able to take a root cause analysis when dealing with social change in particular, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so from a My Brother's Keeper, Charlotte Mecklenburg mm-hmm. frame, we're laser focused on black and brown boys. So if I know that, then 
what is the root of why we need a targeted strategy in the first place? Okay. Right? What, what is happening to this particular demographic at the, at the very foundation, at the very root that would have us think through a strategy to affirm the fullness of their humanity? Mm, you know, and so this is not what you would call conflict resolution, Don. This is conflict transformation. That's right. That's you right. know, a lot of people argue, though, I think that that's semantics. So what would you say to that? It's, it can't be right because you're what you're focused on. Right. Right. So, you, you know, conflict resolution is not necessarily like not all conflict needs to be resolved. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. Uh, <laughs> and so if we are looking for revolutionary outcomes, if we are looking for transformative outcomes, yeah. then the only way that revolutionary action and change could happen is through conflict. Right. Mm, you can't name it. a time in history where there wasn't a struggle. As, as a matter of fact, uh, the, the great Frederick Douglass would affirm that struggle is an absolute necessity yes. if we are looking to shift and change our environment. And yeah. so what we say in conflict transformation is that we want to take what is destructive yes. and make it constructive. Okay. Right? What, what are the destructive components of this conflict that we need to adjust but how do we take that conflict in a constructive way to move us towards desired outcomes? Mm, wow. You Just know what? That, 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 your, your wife probably, y'all probably have a really healthy, uh, wholesome marriage off of that one because that, that means that you know how to not only deal with conflict, but you, but you em- embrace it. Your wife might love that about you and maybe she I, does. Maybe I, she's like, I'm tired of you working all the time. Yeah. <laughs> He knows, um, you know, she knows that that perfection has more to do with one's effort than it does the outcomes. Uh, and so I am on a I am on a perfect journey to becoming the best husband, father that I could possibly be. So I think I'll, I'll frame it up. <laughs> Talk about being intentional, huh, Don? <laughs> Let's dive into more about being intentional, though, and working together to make a collective impact. You mentioned collective impact a few minutes ago. So so let's just say this hypothetically. OK, I know nothing about I'm oblivious to uh, systemic racism, biases, barri- barriers of any kind. Uh, talk to me. Tell me how to make a collective impact. Yeah, I, and, I, and I appreciate this question uh, so much because I think that what happens is the term gets thrown around. Folks know that we have to work together in order for things to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what we're trying to do with MBKCLT is that we are trying, trying to get a message across the community that it is not anecdotal okay. <laughs> for us to work together. Yeah. We are, you know, this is the organizational praxis of Ubuntu. So if I say that I am because we are, mm-hmm. right, and we, and we throw this term around just so we can sound woke, what mm-hmm. we're trying to do <laughs> is actually formalize a strategy by which we can prioritize or we can shine a light on the importance of our interdependency, our interconnectedness, uh, and then how do we build a strategy uh, around that interdependency and interconnectedness that will yield this kind of transformative outcomes right like we we are we have prioritized outcomes over Mm -hmm. outputs Mm -hmm. Uh, and the way that we know that we can change society that we can change the narrative for our black and brown boys is that we can't do it by ourselves right right? uh this is you know a humbled earth produces much fruit so if i come from 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 a place of humility understanding that if if i have been privileged as an organization 
with resources, then how do I use these resources to disseminate in a way, to distribute these resources in a way to build capacity for organizations that are serving the demographic that we are laser focused on? Because as everyone knows, if we can have organizations working at optimal level, then we'll have optimal outcomes for our black and brown boys. So I'm not here to compete. Yeah. I'm here to co-labor with you. I'm here to co-create something that, that has generational implications, in fact. And so uh, when we're talking about collective impact, we understand that the way that happens is this linking organizations together. Uh, social capital is a, is a term that folks like to use, but mm -hmm. not necessarily understanding how social capital is broken down. Three, three pillars, yeah. bonding, bridging, and linking, right? Okay. Bonding is kind of that in the, the, the original environment, the first environment that child is engaged in, the family, the community, right? Okay. Bridging is about networks. How do I expand my network? Yo, I know Dr. Kim Ray, so I know exactly I can, get, I can do this, that, and the other. My network is expanding, but linking social capital yeah. talks about how do we link systems together? Uh -huh. okay. How do we link institutions and organizations together uh, in an effort uh, to, to, to yield that collective impact, right? Uh, yeah. And it is important to note that collective impact is non-existent okay. without collective action, right? Okay. It, it is collective action that yields collective impact. We, don't, we never want to put the, the cart before the horse, right? Yeah. Uh, and in fact, what comes before collective action should come a collective uh, agenda, a collective uh -huh. vision. Right. Absolutely. So now we know what what's going to guide our actions. And then we know what our projected impact will be based on that collaboration. Mm. Yeah. Wow. I like that. I like that. And I like how you broke it down because you, people use all these fancy terms and they don't know what they mean and they right. become different meanings. Like, like, like I was having a conversation with a friend the other night about the culture for the culture. Mm -hmm. You know, my friend was like, uh, he's black male. He was like, I, uh, t t tell me what, what is this for the culture? What does that mean? You know, and I'm breaking it down to him and, you know, and he's like, I, I don't think a 20 year old is thinking what you're saying. And I'm like, well, that's, because they're 20 years old, you know, maybe they have a different definition and they've created definitions. So I think these terms are really good that you're using, but you're using them correctly and you're breaking it down to where we understand how to use them properly in the future. So thank you for that. So just so you guys are reminded, I have Don Thomas, transformational and thought leader, social activist, and advocate. Uh, he, I can go on and on and on. So much more. He's currently, though, the executive director for My Brother's Keeper, the Charlotte chapter. And if you haven't already done so, don't forget to subscribe to us, the bell below. Please click that. All right, so let's talk, Don. Social emotional intelligence. I think that's what I hear when I heard you talking just a few minutes ago about those things as it relates to collective impact and the programming from the agenda to the, um, the action plan, like going from agenda to action. And then what was the last one you said? It was from another. Action, from action to impact. Impact. Okay. Okay. So that's the steps basically. And so mm -hmm. I'm thinking about intelligence, emotional intelligence, because you can't have action without understanding the root cause, which we've talked about as well in this conversation uh, to, to figure out how we can fix and work on these things for transformation to happen. So I'm thinking about emotional intelligence when I think of this. Am I on the right track? Where, where, where am I going with this? So I, I think you are. And, and uh, one would be emotionally intelligent to build a strategy that prioritizes community, right? Okay. Uh, because we understand collective Mm -hmm. As soon as you can understand the importance of collective, you have immediately 
situated yourself as being emotionally intelligent, yes. right? Because, because folks need to be included. Not only do they want to be included, but yeah. they need to be included. And then uh, it's important to note that folks don't like you creating nothing for them if they haven't informed what that thing is, yeah. <laughs> if that makes sense. So there's Absolutely. a term uh, that says nothing for us, right, without us. And we have taken heed to that. We have taken heed to understand that uh, power to the people. Right. We don't like I said, we, we we don't take these these things are not anecdotal to us. Okay. Right? Mm-hmm. We don't we don't say power to the people and it just be like, yeah. And by the way, people, here's a strategy that my <sighs> genius came up with. And no, I want to be emotionally intelligent enough mm-hmm. to understand uh, that it is an imperative if one is committed to social change to provide a community design that mm-hmm. has been informed. That is that has been co-created. That we are co-laborers mm-hmm. in this thing. We collectively have our hands to the plow of justice, fairness, and equity to move the community forward uh, in the way that we see fit and, and by way of best practice is to actually include the people. What happens is too often we have people creating social change strategies mm. uh, that see suffering from the periphery, uh-huh. uh, and, and, and and since we have folks that have never even smelt the scent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. of oppression. Mm-hmm. They've only seen it from afar. Mm-hmm. We see that community never moves forward the way it needs to be. Mm-hmm. Right? Right. Dealing with some of the same issues that our ancestors and that some of the great cloud of witnesses that, claimed, that came before us were dealing with. Mm-hmm. And so what we have found to be a best practice is to engage the people, frontline mm-hmm. practitioners, those that are, on the, those that, that are in the fray with mm-hmm. the suffering. Right. Mm-hmm. Let them be the thought leaders by which these strategies are developed. And so we've prioritized that, uh, prioritize reaching out to our young men to understand how they're situated from a social emotional framework. Mm-hmm. We are engaging our parents in a very real and strategic way to know parents. What do you desire for your child? What do you desire for your son? We let that aspiration, we let those desires inform the strategies that we create. Uh, and then as we, and then we, we're very comprehensive, right? Okay. I, I don't go into places or spaces mm-hmm. trying to make a moral or ethical plea around why we need to change the conditions for our black and brown boys. That's not what I do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I look at the data. This is one mm. thing my brother's yes. is that we are a vision driven and data informed process. Mm-hmm. We understand what we desire for our yeah. boys. We understand what we desire for our community. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the, the data is there to support the strategy. I don't need, mm-hmm. I don't need to get on the soapbox. <laughs> I look at every, I, I, here in Charlotte, we can use McKinney Vento. McKinney Vento served 4,900 4, and some change mm-hmm. uh, uh, young children that are dealing with homelessness. Mm-hmm. 81% were black and brown kids, were black kids, black and, you know, boys and girls, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, literally 42% were black boys. 42% of the homeless population that this particular organization is serving are our boards. Every okay. data point, the achievement gap, the, the, the economic mobility, social capital, what, what have you, you will see our boys at the bottom of the barrel. Uh, mm-hmm. And one thing we know is that we are going to get proximate, mm-hmm. right? even though it's uncomfortable to see the mm-hmm. suffering and dispossessed, the disinherited, mm-hmm. disenfranchised and marginalized of our community. It is tough. Yeah. Proximate to really build transformative relationships with them, to commune with them in a very real way, but we understand it to be a necessity nonetheless. 
Absolutely. Yes, yes, yes. All over that. I love the data driven decision and, and informative. You, you called it data inf- informant. Yeah. So vision driven, data informed. Data informed. Okay. 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 I always say data driven, but I like that. That's good. Yeah. Because what happens is if you're data driven, you, it kind of takes the, 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 the humanity. The, ah, the right out of it. With numbers, right? You're yeah. dealing with numbers. Like yeah. let the numbers inform but, but we're more concerned about transforming the lives. Mm. Mm. Wow, I got chills off that. That's true. That is so true. Mm. You know, okay, so, so we're applying all this, this information to life. What is your charge to us? What would you say to us? Okay, and think about it from, from not me, from, from a hypothetical standpoint, if you're thinking about me, but someone who is just totally aloof, has no idea about what we're talking about. They're listening to us right now. They kind of want to, they see something, they feel something, you know, like I just got chills. Maybe they just got chills and they want to, you know, try to make a collective impact. What's your charge to us today? Yeah. Great question. The charge is this, right? Here's a, here's a, this is an equation that I've been, that I've been wrestling with for some time. The equation is acquisition plus application equals transformation. Right? Mm. Uh, and so the reason that I've been wrestling with this is because I understand that it is not enough for us to acquire knowledge. Mm-hmm. Not enough for us just to acquire the knowledge. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, it, it's not enough for us to, uh, to know that something needs to change, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> uh, essentially, right? But, but we have to be able to apply knowledge yes uh because this is the only way that we can change our conditions and so i would challenge and charge uh those that are listening uh to acquire knowledge first right acquire knowledge first and then seek to find ways by which that knowledge can be applied because it's going to be there And, and and i would even add that we need to be applying knowledge in a way that supports and bolsters collective impact so whatever that application is let it be done in concert uh, with your comrades, so we can collectively move uh, the agenda. Uh, mm-hmm. So that's what I would charge folks. And I'll and I'll say this: my last my last point to that is this. Doctor yeah. Miles Monroe, he says this. He says that knowledge is the information. Mm-hmm. He says understanding uh, is the comprehension. Mm-hmm. But he says that wisdom is the application. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so and so, it is time for us collectively to be wise. Mm-hmm. Uh, we understand data has given us all the information we need to mm-hmm. build a nation. In yeah. fact, and so we have to start moving in a very wise way. Wisdom, as we go into twenty twenty one, is our imperative. Mm-hmm. It is the imperative that we be wise mm-hmm. uh, with the knowledge that we have acquired, so to apply it in a way that transforms the conditions of our community. Mm-hmm. Yes, 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 yes. Well, I was going to ask you if you had any final thoughts. Do you? Because that was like, drop the mic right there. This is my final thought. The final thought is, hit me up. <laughs> like, let's build this thing together. Right? Let's build this thing together. So I want to ask you, Don, like, so you're based in Charlotte, but this is this is an organization that you are working as the executive director. My Brother's Keeper is, an, is a national organization and they have different chapters in different cities. In what way can they tap into making an impact in their local communities if they don't know where to go? Where can they start? Can they start maybe at the My Brother's Keeper website or where can they kind of go? Mm-hmm. You can go to the Obama Foundation um, website. And listen, you don't have to be an Obama fan just no, to support. 
<laughs> this um, organization. <laughs> and, um, uh, what, what this is about, you know, to, to the point, I, this is biblical. <laughs> we're not, we're, we're, this just transcends how one is situated uh, in, in, in this kind of framework in this time contemporarily. Uh, but this is, when we say my brother's keeper, this transcends what side of the aisle you sit on. As a matter of fact, my brother's keeper seeks to eliminate that aisle. Uh, yeah. so, there is no, so there is no divide between his work. But you can go to Obama Foundation. You can see your MBK chapters out, you know, in whatever city you're from. Uh, and I would I would really encourage you to do so. And then with uh, my brother's keeper, Charlotte Mecklenburg, mm-hmm. we are in the process of co-creating a regional framework with North Carolina as well as South Carolina with all the, the MBK chapters there. So if you find yourself in North Carolina or South Carolina, you can get with Brother Antoine Tate out of South Carolina. And then you can obviously reach out to me and we can get you connected throughout the state. So. Phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal. Thank you so much, Don. I really appreciate it. Rev Don is what I call him. But um, tell the wife, please, and the family, hello for me. Did y'all know Don Don is not only doing all of this in these streets, but he's been holding down a marriage for, what, 12, 15 years? 14. 14 years. This man looks 14 years old to us right now, right? (laughs) But man, and and then he has a, you have a, a daughter who's about to graduate from Hampton University. Yeah, and and the son and shout out to HU. I see y'all out here. Yeah, you got three kids. He's 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 a family man and a powerful, powerful man. And I, I really want to see him one day run for political office. As much as politics is jacked, and you know, there's there's some griminess in there that sometimes we as community leaders don't don't like to get involved in i really do don want to see you one day my brother run for an office and and seal that deal we'll see yeah we'll see see. okay that's a good answer as long as you didn't say no i appreciate that (laughs) well take care my brother it was real happy talking to you thank you so much again peace peace